the Lord has begun to prepare this message for me. And I tell you, every time I study for a message here on Sunday morning, man, it just, it, it, it gets so real at my house because I'm just overwhelmed with everything that, that the Lord is speaking. And I just, today I've got so many notes that, that we may be in trouble. Um, but I do want to start with my life verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. I always read it and maybe we all have it memorized by now. Uh, but it says, my, my message and preaching are not in persuasive words of wisdom, but yet on the demonstration of the power, so that, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Today, my prayer is that I get to sit right down here on the front row and just watch what God's doing. If you have your scriptures, open up to the book of Hebrews for me. Um, Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to be all over the text today. Um, from Genesis chapter 2 to uh, Hebrews, we're going to be in quite a bit of it today. But today, as I, as I began to prepare this message and I sought the Lord, I said, God, how do I teach on rest? Because the Lord told me while I was resting, and let me just go, let me just, let me be real with y'all. Can I be vulnerable for a minute? I don't know if I said that right. Vulnerable. Let me be vulnerable for a minute. About two weeks ago, I was, uh, my, my, my family, uh, my in-laws, my wife and her family were all going down to um, a place in Florida for a couple days for rest. And I had told my wife that I just, I, I just didn't have the time. I had too much to do and all this different stuff. And Brother Fred got a hold of me. And he said, what are you doing? He said, you're going to take some rest with your family. Brother Fred, thank you so much. It was through this time that the Lord wrote this message. It was through my time of rest that God wrote this message. But let me tell you something. In my flesh, I said no because I really, pridefully, had too much to do. So let me just kind of, let's be real for a minute in the fact that most sins in our lives, we don't like to tell anybody. It's kind of like, oh, I'm struggling with this, so don't, don't, don't tell nobody. Kind of, we put on our good suit and walk into church and act like we got it all going on because we're afraid to let anybody know. But when it comes to not resting, which I believe is a sin, I will explain to you why here in a minute. I mean, it really goes back to what God did and what he commanded us to do. But when it comes to not resting, instead of kind of shamefully like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Instead, we kind of like hold this metal up. Yeah, I stayed up all night studying for that test. When I was in college, it wasn't coffee. We actually ate coffee beans. That's probably why I'm so messed up today and so energetic. But we hold this medal as if, as if we want people to know that I'm so busy that I don't have time to rest. We may say things like, I have so much to do that I don't get to rest, and then we'll have that little woe is me, I just don't have time to rest type of thing. We may say, I'm needed by so many people that I don't have time to rest. Oh, you know, I got, I got so many people who need me that I don't have time to rest. We may say, you know, I, I'm so selfless, I've given up my rest to do more. Or we may even say, I'm so successful with my business, my job, or my life that I just don't have time to rest. Let me just tell you something. All of those are excuses 
in order to justify the lack of rest in your life, which ultimately God called us to do. So for some of you in this room, you're kind of excited. You're like, David's going to teach us to rest and it's going to rain today. You know what that means? Sunday afternoon nap. And some of y'all are like, David is going to justify that today for you. And for some of you, you need to go home and you need to take a nap. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, for real, right? Amen. I'm there too. Let me tell you how I prepared for this message the last two days. I rested. I cleared my schedule in the evenings. I went home and I spent time with my family. I got to bed at a good time. And I woke up and I got in the Word with, with Jesus. I rested. I feel great, which is why I can. But I want to show you just three places in the scripture, and y'all don't have to turn there yet, but like I said, there's a lot of places. But in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, obviously this is the Ten Commandments, okay? And and I do want to read this one for you, but in Exodus 20, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it. Now remember, holy means set apart, right? means set apart, Sabbath day. And let me just go on and let you know, Sabbath means rest. And when you actually look into the Hebrew word of it, it also talks about, and, and maybe it's because we have, have seen this over time, but it's, it's, a, it's an actual time. It's an actual, it, it's, it's a time of rest. And so it says the sixth labor and do your work. You know, can you for a second? I kind of struggled with that one. Because see, here in America, we only work five days, right? And I read that, I was like, uh-oh, uh, let's keep going. Verse 10, it says, Seventh day is the Sabbath day to the Lord. In it you shirk. You are your son or your daughter, your cattle sojourners who stay with you. For in six days God, the Lord, made the heavens and the earth and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and So God calls us in the, to rest. He calls us to have Sabbath day right there in the scripture. 31, 14, and 16, it says this. It says, therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Now, we'll get to that in a second. For whoever does, does any work on it, the person shall be cut off from among his people. Today's work may be done, but on the seventh day, there is a Sabbath holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. Verse 16, and the sons of Israel shall obey the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath Sabbath throughout their generations for it's the perpetual covenant. Now, you say, David, that's the Old Testament, chapter 4, where you just were. In Hebrews chapter 4, we standing of what it means to rest in Christ. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But what I want you to see is go all to 9. And in verse 9, it says this. Sains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Who is he? In, in, in Hebrews, in the New Testament, what we see here is for all believers, remember in Ephesians, we're all grafted and, and, and Jews alike, right? All grafted in. And here in Hebrews, he says, there remains Sabbath rest for all of God's people, or all the people of God. It says, for the one who has entered his rest has self also rested from his work. For those who have entered into his capital H, his rest, so what? Rest it from little work as God did for us. Verse 11, it says this. Therefore, let us be gentle to enter the rest so that no one will fail through, fall through following the same example of those. Now, I think that we can all agree there that we showed you in Exodus chapter 20, Exodus 31, and Hebrew 4, Old Testament and New Testament, God has called rest. 
So as I studied this, I said, Lord, like, you know, okay, how, how do I discuss rest? Are we supposed to sleep? I came up with three different pictures. So the first picture of the mountains, if you'll throw that up there for me, Stephen, there's mountains in there. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but that's rest to me. That is rest. How many of y'all love going to the mountains? Just to get, It's beautiful, right? We just only have hills down here, up into Tennessee. But then a place that, if you'll go to the next picture for me. Whew, okay, so that is a little place called Bora Bora. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I think that we need to read there. Because, I, I mean, that is, for a lot of us, we consider this rest. Now, don't go to the last picture for me, Stephen. We're going to hold that for a little bit. Consider both of those as a place to rest. And let me just explain to you, those pictures are pictures. They're beautiful. And it is a place to rest. But let me tell you something. You can go and rest and never truly rest. But I want the idea of physical rest. And, and those pictures that I just showed probably like, kind, of, kind of mean something to you. Physical rest. These are types of places that we go to, right? If you go to some theme park, you're running around. And these are places you think of rest. You think. So I asked the Lord, I said, okay, understand physical rest. And the Lord reminded me of Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. The very first reference to rest in the Bible. Many of you probably have it memorized. It says, by the seventh day, God had completed the work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. Now let me just ask you a question. Did God's seventh day rest happen before or after the fall of man? Before. Let me also ask you this question. Did God need to rest? No. So why would God have rested if the fall of man, which is really why we need physical rest in some sense, hadn't even happened? I believe it's because God knows us better than we know ourselves. The foreknowledge of God was, hey, there's going to be the fall of man. They're going to be working. They're going to have to work a whole lot harder than they'll ever realize. And then they're going to need rest. I know what I've created. It even says in Psalms 139 verse 14 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Right? God knows us from from the innermost being. God knows us. And so he knew that we would need physical rest. Let me just tell you what some symptoms of lack of rest in your life. If you have these symptoms, you need to take a nap today. Heart disease. Irritable. That's definitely my symptom. When, I'm, when I don't sleep, when I don't sleep, I'm irritable. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I'm like, Lord, I got to go get some sleep before I say something. All right, irritable. Type 2 diabetes. Weak immune system. Cold or flu symptoms. Depression. Impaired brain. Memory problems, weight gain, high blood pressure, and accidental death. Now, I don't know about y'all, that's people falling asleep at the wheel and stuff like that. But, but whenever I, when I read that, I literally walked out of my study and I looked at, at my wife and I said, Leslie, these are the symptoms of lack of sleep. I'm going to bed. It's exactly what I told her last night as I was studying. But let me ask you this question. How many of you in this room would make enough hours in a day? 
Now, in your hand at this moment, because we're in church, and more than likely, it's not going to be good if you raise your hand. I venture to say that all of us, at some point, have made best comment just off the cuff and said, there's hours in a day. Done. Well, let me ask you this question. Who created the day? God did. So if God gave us the day, then God will give us time and a, to do what he's called us to do today. Again, if God created the day, then it's what we need to do enough time in the day to do what he's called us to do. God's not going to say, all right, I'll give you 25 hours worth of work, and I'm only going to give you 24 hours. So let me ask you this question. Are we doing what God's called us to do, or are we doing our own work? Are we doing what God told us to do, or are we doing our own work? And let me tell you, God tells you to say the word no. I'm still trying to learn that word. But he tells us to say the word no. Why? Because when we have lack of sleep, we don't do our best. We're irritable. We have heart disease. We have all these different situations. Wouldn't it be better if we said no, and God, then we had the ability to go forth at our full next day? I would rather have somebody at full potential for 12 or, or, or 14 hours than somebody at 10% potential for 24 hours. And God knew that we needed physical rest. And so He created the day accordingly. And He gave us what we need to do in a day to be able to do it. He gave us the time we need it. It's called priorities. It's called actually prioritizing the idea of rest. And I will be honest and, and real with you, the hardest thing for me as a pastor is to stop and rest. But the Lord has showed me that that is very prideful. As if God can't do it without me being here. And maybe it's the same in your own life. As if God can't do it without you being there for a few minutes that we're afraid to step away for a few minutes in order to rest, but yet really we're walking in disobedience. Now, in those scriptures that I showed you, that, that, that it actually talks about when you don't fulfill the Sabbath, it talks about death. In Exodus 31 and Exodus 35, it even says it in Numbers 15. It says, put them to death. And in Numbers 15, they actually did put them to death. And today... If you don't sleep, now obviously all those symptoms, it could lead to death. But let me just be real with you. If you're walking in disobedience by not resting, then you find yourself, disobedience would be sin. And what does sin lead to? The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. No, if you don't rest, it's not that somebody's going to kill you as it says in the Old Testament, but what we do see is that you're putting yourself in a place, in a position for the thief to come, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. For some of you, you need to know today that you can go home and you can take a nap and you don't have to be convicted about it. The evil one wants you to think that you're being lazy if you just simply rest. Because he knows that the busier he gets you and the more that your priorities are out of whack, the less you're going to seek the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the more that you're going to try to do it on your own and you're going to find yourself on an island as we talked about the last time I preached. 
And so today, some of you just need to simply know that that is the condemner of the brethren if you are convicted about simply resting. Now, but let me just go to the other side of that. If all you do is rest, I can go to the scripture where it says, awake, you sluggard. It says, get up and work. It's good for a man to work. God even says work six days. So some of us, we got to pray about that because I'm still struggling with it. So it's not that we legalistically go to the other side of things. It's not like, well, well, I've been legalistic about rest. Now I'm just going to have like complete grace over here and I'm just going to stay at home and, and I'm going to name my bed the Word and when people call, I'm going to tell them I'm in the Word. That's not what he's telling you to do. So we know that there's physical rest. God's called us to rest. But let's go to the idea of the Sabbath. And Sabbath rest. Now, I think it's interesting that NASB, in my Bible here, it says in verse 4, verse 9 of chapter 4, it says, So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. In the King James, it actually says there remains a rest, right, for the people of God. Now, so I looked that up. I said, Lord, why would the NASB say Sabbath rest? And why would, would the, the, the King James? And so I looked that word up in the, in the Greek. And it actually means, that word there actually means a Sabbath rest. Like an actual day of rest. Now, why one says Sabbath and one doesn't, I, I don't know. But I can tell you, when you look up the actual word in the Greek, it means an actual day of rest. So the first mention of Sabbath in the Bible is Exodus chapter 16, 23 through 30. It says this, Then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant, Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over put aside and keep until morning. It says, so they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered, and they did beca- and, and it did not become foul, and there was any worms in it. Moses said, eat today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. It says, it came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none, as if Moses wasn't telling the truth. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days. On the sixth day remains every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. This was after they had left exile. Or exile. After they had left uh, the book of Exodus. After they had left Egypt. I'll get it in a second. And it's before they get the Ten Commandments. He commands them to take the seventh day of rest. You say, well, David, why do we consider Sunday, you know, a, a, a Sabbath or, or church day? Why do we consider it on Sunday? It really goes back to the resurrection. Jesus was raised on Sunday, and so that's the reason why the church today celebrates on Sunday. Uh, I, I, I heard people in, in their arguments as I was studying for this message of how they say, well, the Sabbath is only Old Testament and only for the Jewish people. And I have a problem with that because the scriptures tell us in the New Testament with the grafting in of, of the Jews and the Gentiles that the Sabbath is for us and that it's, it's not a legalistic, you've got to be here this day, this time, and, and do this. But the Sabbath is about truly taking time every week out of your life and just stopping and knowing that He's God and resting from your work and worshiping the King. There's three commands that I want you to see 
about the Sabbath, and we won't go into it on the Scriptures, but in Exodus 20, I already read it. It's one day a week. It's holy. It's set apart, and that we're to rest. In Exodus 31, it says it's holy. It's a sign of God's covenant, and to be disobedient if you neglect it. So God has called us to have a Sabbath. Now, Sabbath is not, as I said, legalism, that you must be here on a certain day or time. You say, well, David, it's the Sabbath on Sunday. Well, there's people who work on Sunday, and that's the only day that they can work. So can they take a Sabbath another day of the week? Absolutely. There's no scripture in the Bible that says that your Sabbath will be on Sunday morning. But let me just tell you something As I saw the argument in study and people said, well, you don't have to go to church either because Sabbath is between you and God. Well, I understand that there's nowhere in Scripture that says on your Sabbath you go to 2664 Solly Road in Mobile, Alabama. I understand there's nowhere in Scripture that it says on your Sabbath you go to church. It's not black and white, but let's just say this. Let's look at the example of Jesus. Let's see what Jesus did. There's four Scriptures I want you to see. In Mark chapter 1, verse 21, it says this, They went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, He, Jesus, entered the synagogue and began to teach. What day was it? Sabbath. Verse, chapter 6, verse 2. It says, When the Sabbath came, He began to teach in the synagogue. Where is Jesus on the Sabbath? In the synagogue. He's with the assembly of the brethren. So let's go even further. Luke 4.18 is our scripture, right? Well, in Luke 4.16, it tells us where Jesus was on the Sabbath. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and he was, it was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. One more, it says Luke 6.6, 6, it says this. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And there was a man there whose right hand was withered. Where was he on the Sabbath? He was at the synagogue with the assembly of the brethren. You say, well, David, that was Jesus. You know, now we're in the church age in the book of Acts. Okay, well, let's go look at the disciples. Acts 13, verse 42 says, And Paul and Barabbas were going out. The people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. They were begging them to stay and teach for the next Sabbath. Acts 18, verse 4 says, And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath, and trying to persuade the Jews and Greeks. So let me ask you this question. Does Jesus tell us if we are to to come and assemble together as a body of believers on what we call the Sabbath? Absolutely. He gives us time and time again example of that. But that doesn't mean that somebody who works all day on Saturday and Sunday is falling short of the glory of God or sinning because they could have their Sabbath on Wednesdays. It's not a legalistic terminology that that you have to be here at 9.30 on Sunday morning. But I do believe that if you neglect, neglect the assembly and the brethren and come together as the body of Christ, then you're also walking into sin. So what does our Sabbath include of? It includes coming together and worshiping the King together and loving on each other together, and sharing the gospel of Jesus, and sharing what's happening, and encouraging each other, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. But here's what's happened today in our society, is that Sunday's just another day. When I was growing up, we had to buy ice cream on Saturday if you wanted it on Sunday. That's a true story. I always remember it, Saturday at like 9 o'clock. Well, David, you better go get some ice cream. 
Stores were closed as I drove six miles with my family from our house to the church house. Stores were closed. People called them the blue laws. Everywhere we went was closed and you better got it done on Saturday because it was going to be a day of rest. And I looked up what the blue laws mean because I've heard that terminology over and over. And I looked it up and it actually says in there, it is things are closed for a religious purpose. I was like, well, that was Wikipedia, so I'm assuming that was accurate. But let me just be real with y'all. We've turned it into just another day. We come to church for an hour and a half, we sing, we get excited, and then so often we just go home, we don't think about what's all taking place. God didn't say Sabbath was for an hour and a half on a Sunday. God said Sabbath was all day. And let me tell you something, I got on my knees and, and I repented and I looked at my wife and I said, we are not doing a good job of creating a Sabbath with our family. And I said, I understand that I work on Sundays. And I understand that that Sundays are a day that, listen, to me, pastoring has never been a job. So I love every minute of Sundays. It's like, I I call it my Super Bowl. Like, I'm so excited. Like, I woke up this morning, I was like, it's Sunday! Woo! I was so pumped. But I just realized that we were not helping to, to place into the lives of our children what it means to truly take a Sabbath and rest. And it broke my heart. To the point that I walked out of my study and I said, Leslie, we've got to cry out to God and we've got to ask Him to help us to take a Sabbath once a week. And when people call and say, you need to do this or you need to do that or you need to do this, I say, listen, I'm with my family taking a Sabbath. And I think that each of you would respect that. But let me tell you something else. I need to respect that in your life too. God's called us to observe the Sabbath, but yet we've turned it into another day for practice. We've turned it into a day of making sure that we get everything done before the the week starts. We're going to jump on the week by, by taking care of this and that and this, but yet we don't just stop and just say, okay, God, I want to rest in who you are. That doesn't always mean take a nap. I want to open up the Word of God, and I just want it to pour over me, oh God. You say, David, this doesn't sound like something that could happen in the 20th century in America where it's fast-paced, run, 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 run. You know why? Because Satan has slowly decayed the priorities in our lives. He's slowly taken it away. Did I not just tell you that when I was growing up, all the stores were closed from my house to the church house? And in 30 years or 25 years, what's happened? It's just another day. And let me just be real with y'all. Some of y'all have taken a Sabbath or have come to church. And I'm, when I say some of y'all, I'm talking about myself. I just, just in front of you told you how real it is to me. But sometimes we can come to church on a Sunday and never truly take a Sabbath. We can traditionally just go to the church house. We can just go and just, just be a part of, of what's happening and go home. And like I said, it's just, it's, it's gone. It's over. We're done. We, we, we did. We, the tradition is checked. And we totally missed it. For some people, they come every Sunday. And I'm not talking necessarily about here. I'm talking about in general across America. Some come every Sunday and have never truly experienced a true Sabbath. God said to keep it holy. You know what holy means? Set apart. Is your Sabbath set apart from the rest of your week, or does it look the same? Say, David, this is kind of hard. 
I'm telling you, it is difficult. But God's called us to. And you know, isn't it interesting? People don't want to live according to the biblical principles. They want to go do it their own way in so many areas and walks of life. But when it comes to this, there's been one, there's been one business that I know of. Well, there's several businesses that I know of, but there's one nationally that I know of that always stays closed on Sundays. And man, I always want some chicken on Sundays. There's several businesses, many of you in this place who have business, praise God that, 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 that the day of Sabbath is there. But here's, it's interesting to me, they have told Chick-fil-A over and over and over to open up on Sunday and you'll make more money. I disagree with them. They open up on Sunday and I believe the blessing will be removed. And let's just be real for a second. A lot of the Chick-fil-A's were in malls before they became freestanding places. And let me just tell you something. One of your two busiest days in a mall was on a Sunday. And they said, we're going to be closed. We're going to let our people go and rest and have a Sabbath. And if I am correct, I believe that that Chick-fil-A is 100% debt-free, if I'm correct. And exploding. And of course, we all have cravings for chicken on Sundays. So we have physical rest that God's called us to. We have the Sabbath rest that God's called us to. But let's go even further today, and that is this. In Hebrews chapter 4, I told you we would eventually get here. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says in verse 1, y'all read with me in your Bible. It says, therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering His rest that any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Whoa. Let us fear if any of us having the opportunity that the promise remains to enter His rest, but yet we come just just short of it. I believe there's physical rest. I believe there's a Sabbath rest and those go hand in hand. But I believe that you can't truly take a Sabbath rest and you can't even truly rest. Until you are resting in Him. You say, David, what does this scripture mean? This scripture right here is talking about salvation. Until you are in the arms of Christ. If I could just sit with you a while. If you could just hold me moment by moment till forever passes by. Until you've gotten to the place where you say, I trust God with everything. Y'all know the whole saying, he's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Until you've given him your full life. You say, what do you mean, David? Well, you're not going to rest. Even on vacation. Put up the picture of Bora Bora. Just leave that up there for me. You're not going to rest at Bora Bora on the most, I think, the most beautiful place in the world. If you're still concerned and worried because your finances are are this or that and you're saying you're stressed out over it and God's saying, hey, I own a cattle on a thousand hill. When are you going to trust me? Have you given him all? Everything? Some of you are saying, how do you not look at your finances if you fly all the way to Bora Bora? I get it. I looked up price for me and Leslie to go. It was $20,000. I said, "Mm, thank you very much. I'll go to Dolphin Island. (laughs) Amen. But God's saying, hey, 
You can be in the most beautiful places in the world and not rest because you're so focused on the stress of this world. Oh, they need me back at home. I just can't rest. I got to get back. I got to go. I got to I got to go help and I got to do. I've got to No, just stop and rest. But for you to truly rest and enter into his rest, he must be Lord of all. Let me give you another promise. You're worried about your future. What's going to happen? What's going to take place? I've heard all these different things of what could happen or this could happen or this theory of this is going to take place or that's going to take place or, or you know, that this is going to crash or that's going to happen or this. And, and, and let me tell you something. You can get caught up in the future and worried about what's going to take place in the future and you're not going to rest. You can be at that mountain, uh, the, the mountainside looking at the beautiful lake and you're not going to rest if all you're concerned about what's going to take place in the future. But if you've been taking your Sabbath, if you've been truly seeking the Lord, and you've been crying out to Him, guess what? You're going to know what's going to happen to your future. It says it in the Scripture. There's a day that we're going to die. Some of y'all are like, really? Thanks, David. But as Brother Ed just said so beautifully earlier, praise God, we know what's going to happen in the future. And for those who have entered into His rest, that rest does not end when you breathe your last. You know why? Because the Scripture says in the book of Hebrews, it says that death has been defeated. For some of us, we're not resting because the evil one has come after us and hit us with temptation after temptation after temptation. And we're so tired because we've been running from temptation and we've been fighting and fighting and fighting. And God's saying, enter my rest because Matthew chapter 28 verse 18, before he gives the great commission, he says, all authority has been given to me. But we don't claim it. All authority has been given to me. Where? In heaven and on earth. And let me ask you a question. Are we on earth? So who has all authority? Jesus. God. Right? Praise God. So we can enter His rest and not have to worry about all these different things. Do you still fight? Yes. Is it still tiring? Yes. But let me tell you something. Every time that I have come under severe spiritual attacks, I can still just sit with my, my heavenly Father in His arms. And let me tell you something. Even in the hardest and most difficult times of my life, I can find rest. One of the most difficult times in my life was when I was told that I had a non-curable muscle disease and the medicine did nothing to help. For the first week, they gave me all these different medicines and nothing worked. And, and I've shared this with you, but I told the Lord, I said, God, I'm in your arms. And whether this disease takes me to my death or whether I live a hundred years, whether I have a family or whether I don't, my life is in your hands. And so no matter what you want to do with my life, it's in your hands. You go for it. I relinquished it to him. And let me tell you something, in the midst of what I considered a very dark time in my life, of what's going to happen and all the what-ifs, I rested. I rested. Because I knew He had the future in His hands. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says that I have plans for you. I have plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not of calamity, to give you a future and a hope. 
Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. God's saying, hey, that, that, that I have plans for you. Don't worry. Rest in who I am. I'll give you an example. Some of us, you know, we have things in our lives, prized possessions in our lives, called China. How many of y'all got special China at home? We got special China at our house. You know how often we use it? Never. Because we hold it so dear that we're afraid that, 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 that something's going to happen to it. But if we give everything of us to God and He already owns it all, then why are we so concerned about using what we have and what God's given us? What well, might break? Okay. It's in God's hands. It's His. It's just China. I've looked at it for like seven years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat on it today. I am eating on the china today. Don't tell Leslie. <laughs> Say we buy a really nice car and we go park it on the, the, the 20 yards away from every other car because we're afraid somebody may dent it. Hey, it's just a car. It's just a vehicle. Right? If it's God's and it gets wrecked, then you look to God and say, Okay, God, your car got wrecked. What are you going to do? It's His. Everything is His. But yet we don't rest because we stress and worry and we try in all of our being to do it on our own. You don't physically rest because you're trying in your own being to do it on your own. Why was it so hard for me and Brother Fred, as an incredible man of God, set me down and said, David, you take some time. Why was that so important? Because I, in my mind, was trying to do it on my own. I got to be here. I got I to gotta do this. I got to do that. And I was trying physical rest. I missed it in some cases of my life because I was trying to do it all on my own. Sabbath, I missed it because I needed more time to get stuff done. And truly resting in Christ, I'd miss it because I was trying so hard to keep my life like this. I got this, God. Oh, you got it? How are you resting? Uh, I'm not. I can't. Because somebody will come steal it. Somebody will come take it. And the Lord says, why don't you just say it's all His? And just rest. Just rest. I'll be honest with you, I think it's time that we take back the Sunday. I think the culture's had it long enough. I think 20 plus years is long enough. You say, David, we don't need to be legalistic. I agree with that. And I'm not pressing on to anybody who works on Sunday that, that they're wrong. What I'm saying, though, is that we need to take back the Sabbath in our life. We need to take that time. Listen, I know this, this, this let me say it properly, and let me kind of explain this, because if you just hear what I'm going to say, you may say that's theologically incorrect. Too often I've heard people say, well, if God had to rest, we need to rest. God didn't have to rest, but we do have to rest. God knew with his foreknowledge and rested so that we would have an example to follow. But I will say this. It's not that because God had to rest, we have to rest. It's that if God saw it as that important to set an example in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. I mean, we're only like 30 verses into the Bible here, guys. And he says, rest. If he saw it that important to speak that in Genesis chapter 2, then we need to stop walking in disobedience and truly rest in the Lord. 
So as we close today, let me ask you this. Because I think the most important of all three of these is the spiritual rest. What's keeping you from truly resting in Him? If you're not a believer in Christ as your Lord and Savior, you haven't given your life to Jesus, you can't rest in Him. You're going to always worry and be concerned. You're going to be fearful about death and what's going to take place. And you're going to be fearful about losing things that you don't really even have the authority to hang on to. You're going to try to find pleasures in this world, and let me tell you something, it will always lead to the same thing that the lack of the Sabbath did in the Old Testament. It will always lead to death. So if you're sitting here today and you're saying, David, man, that rest thing sounds great. Let's go. I showed you a mountain. I showed you a picture of Bor Bor. But let me show you, this is really the picture of rest. If you're not resting in the arms of Jesus, you can't do it. And so if you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, I pray that today will be the day of salvation. Hey, in the darkest times of my life, I can rest because I know him. He's my God. He's my creator. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there's none like him. And let me just tell you something. If God can speak earth into existence in seven days, six days, if he can literally speak what what we're walking around on in in six days, I think I can trust him with everything. I think I can trust him with everything. But if you're sitting here today and you're saying, David, man, I'm a believer in Christ, but, but man, I just need to rest. Then maybe it's time that we come and we say, Lord, I'm not going to hold it as a mantle anymore and hold up this like prized possession of, oh, I'm so busy that I can't rest. Instead, I'm going to say, no, I'm going to walk in obedience. As hard as that is because of what the culture has told you, let's walk in obedience and let's take a day every week and just call it the Sabbath and just go seek the Lord and just truly rest before God. The evil one's already speaking to some people. The evil one's already speaking to some people saying, you don't have time to do that. You don't have time to do that. It's because he stole the priorities in our life. And maybe today we need to say, I'm going to make it a priority. For me, I'm telling the Lord, thank you so much for rest. Thank you for this message. 